Welcome everyone to the DC Beer Show. It is spooky season and fresh hop season, and we are DC Beer across social media. Brandy, what are you drinking? I am drinking, after my gin and tonic, um, a celebrator. It's a doppelbach. Um, Iinger Brewing finest. But I don't know who who. It's Del- Avi. I I've had this before, but I don't remember where I got it. Someone brought this to me. Anyway, that's what I'm drinking because. I desperately want a dark beer, and for some reason, none of the breweries around here are making a fucking dark beer, and I don't understand why it's so hard. Uh, shout song. out to Ben at Hellbender for not making the Grampus this year. Yeah, <laughs> so, he laughed. My he bad. laughed at he laughed at me when I asked if I if he was going to do Grampus. Oh, I bring it up every time, every time, and he's like, "Not this year." I'm like, "Dude, can you make a dark beer though?" Like, I would like that. Thanks. <laughs> It's the weather's cold, man. Give me some dark beer. What do you, Mike? What are you drinking? I am drinking not beer, but cider. Arkansas <gasps> Black. What? Nice. Yes. Yeah, Pendruid Brewing, formerly now Pendruid Cidering. So it's a wonderful cider, a spontaneously fermented natural cider made with Rappahannock apples from Moore's Orchard and Thornton River Orchard. Bottle conditioned. It's mm. a wonderful beer. I've been swirling it all the way around to get all the yeast, the lees, or apple uh, uh, in suspension, right? To go from like clear with a bunch of stuff at the bottom to like all cloudy all the time. I don't know, Brandy, if I gifted you that Celebrator Doppelbach, but as Lost Lager Preds, I will take full credit for your dark lager. Okay. Yeah, I, I, because I don't know where it came from because I don't think I bought it. But I have be- the beer shares are hosted at my house almost every single time. So beer comes into my possession that I know that I didn't buy. So, but I'm just thankful for this. It even has a cute little fucking um, ram, goat, ram, goat, Aww. yeah, on it. Uh, but I want to talk about cider for one second. I don't think I've had the Pendruit because. You so you're the one that keeps getting that and like drinking it on the podcast. I my cider place is Albemarle Cider, uh, out in near Charlottesville. I'm a mem- I'm an insider member there. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> Get it? Um, so shout out to them. But I want some of the cider you keep drinking, Mike. Gift some of that, man. Can we do a tradesies? I'll do an Albemarle Tracy's for a Pendruid, Pendruid Tracy's. Absolutely. It's going yeah. to happen. These Pendruid ciders are wonderful. I went out to the brewery a couple of weeks ago, and um, they were so generous. They comped our entire beer tab. So I was like, I have to buy a case of cider. This cider is, like, way overpriced, but all of our draft <laughs> beer, they comped. So I was like, all right, I got to plunk down some serious bucks and, you know, make up for this mistake of Respect. paying for all my beer. It was wonderful. And it's, you know, so far out, but it's so beautiful. You're by the Rappahannock Mountains. I will absolutely trade you some Ar- Albemarle Cider Works for this Pendruid Cider. Um, Brandy, we like to keep you in beer. You know, we have to make sure you have plenty of beer and cider. Dark beer, um, bonus points for dark lager. I mean... Yeah. I yeah. can't believe this is, this is D, the DC Cider Show. DCCider.com. Jake, we just talked about lagers. So I have so many IPAs here, and all my friends are like, hey, do you want, do you want an IPA? Can I give you some IPAs? I'm like, look, I love IPAs. 
I just, I drink it too much. Like I need some dark beers. I need, I need for all the DC, look, everyone, listen, DC breweries and surrounding areas make some more dark fucking beers, please. Okay. We have enough IPAs. We know they're good. Dark beers. Come on. What if your Brown winter, se- what if your winter seasonal is also an IPA? Fine. You, you switch just- from the summer hops to the winter hops. <laughs> Oh, anyway, that was my tangent. All right. Give me a soapbox about dark beers, man. All right. Well, I'll tell you about dark beers. We have a super exciting interview, Brandy, which you were kind enough to lead coming up with Lily. And I have to say, I first met Lily when I was brewing Bach to the Future, a brown lager up at Denizen. She was currently brewing at Denizen's when I met her in 2019. She has since progressed on new brewing gig at Right Proper. She's also doing major work with Pink Boots, did some hand selecting of hops out, um, you know, on the West Coast. We are so super pumped for this interview. So we just have to say thank you to Lily. Brandy, thank you for the gracious interview. Let's jump right in and get into our interview. I'm super jazzed to introduce this week's podcast guest. She recently moved from the Brooklyn location to the original Right Proper Brewery in Shaw to take over the role as lead brewer. What an applaud-worthy accomplishment and one that she's crushing. While all along being a genuinely awesome, warm, and kind person. And I'm jazzed to know her as a person. So, yay. Welcome, Lily. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Brandy. Of course. Let's start off by having you tell our audience more about yourself and your brewing background. Of course. So I grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, one of the beer hubs of the world, (laughs) especially microbrews in the U.S., and grew up homebrewing with my dad there when I went to college uh, and started working at an office job. After I graduated that, I was just like, this is not for me. So I started bartending more and more um, and got into a brewery that was had an opening within their back of house. So I was able to start on the canning line and keg washing there and um, made my way into the brew deck and got really familiar with their two systems. Um, And then now uh, I did that for two years and now I'm at um, Right Proper Brewing and I've moved up to the lead brewer at the Shaw location. Um, so I've been lead for about like two months now. So it's very new, but exciting. Which is awesome. I remember going to the, um, there was an event at the right proper location and there was all kinds of black owned breweries there, Sankofa. And I saw like, it was, it was such a great event. Um, and that's when you told me and I was, we were all, we all kind of screamed. I was so excited. Um, but you moved to Lee Brewer in such a short amount of time. I mean, that speaks volumes about what you're doing and your dedication and just you effing crushing it. So this it's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's um it's been a fun challenge to take on and like gain the confidence in this role. I feel like that's the hardest thing to just like realize that I actually do know what I'm doing a lot of the time, even with limited experience. So it's nice. Yeah. To- Is it? different being at Brookland than Shaw? Very different on the day-to-day. In what way? Brookland is a 15-barrel semi-automatic brewing system. Shaw is a five-barrel completely manual system. 
So everything I do, I put valves on ports and connect the hoses myself and construct it basically every time I want to brew. Um, And for everything I do there, it's very, very manual. Most of what they do at Brooklyn is still manual, but a lot of it's integrated in a way that makes it a lot more easy. And you can also do three times as much beer in a, a single brew as I can. So Right. I mean, that, that was the whole point of opening the Brooklyn location was for production. Even the Instagram handle is is production. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love going there because it's closer to my house. Yeah. So, But I'm assuming you're still seeing kind of the same people because I knew when you were at Brookland, you were hanging out with Tommy and everybody, and now you're over at Shaw's. And there's a kitchen there, too. So, like, it's a, it's a brew pub. Yes. I'm yeah. sure the size is not jarring, but, you know, the size of the place is bigger, Yeah, I, I guess, right? It's a small system I've worked on, besides home brewing. So, um, like, professional system, I guess. And it's also interesting because we're still at this point um, where I work alone most days just because we don't need a lot of people over there just because we're not doing as much because of COVID, obviously. So we are picking up our production now. And for every brew day, I get a buddy. So the more times I get to brew, the more people get to come over and brew with me. And we rotate through um, staff for that. So I brewed today with Barrett and then tomorrow I'm brewing with Tommy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. At least it kind of breaks up the monotony, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what are your favorite styles of beer to make? And what are your least favorite styles of beer to make? Or like, if has there been a specific beer that you're like, I hope I never have to make this again? <laughs> um, I, so my favorite thing about the Shaw location is that there's a wild room and a clean room in terms of yeast. So um, my favorite stuff to brew is I like to brew lagers. And then I also like to brew um, uh, like wild beers. And there's just a lot of Wild brews are probably my favorite just because there's a lot of unknowns there. You just have a lot of variables and you can be a lot more fun with your ingredients than some of the traditional brews. So today we brewed a pomegranate rosemary Brett Saison. So what? (laughs) That sounds amazing. And it's a fun little puzzle to do every time. Rosemary is my favorite herb, so I'm going to be hella on that. Yeah, like good. It (laughs) It was fun. I will say right proper crushes the sours the wild ales i remember for battle of the barrel age two years ago when we did it in jake's backyard we all voted that right proper's like barrel age sour was our favorite hands down and i mean right i mean really one of the best sour programs that locally so that's cool that you like making sour beers because yeah. a lot of people don't. It's fun to be a part of. I'm Yeah, I, I love it. It's And like it's working with wood. I know it can be frustrating and arduous. Like you just end up with less in the end result all the time, too. So it's just you do all of this work for like a lower quantity of beer, too. But the reward is so much greater because the complexity within the flavors is just wonderful. I, I, I know Mike Stein's going to be happy about you saying your favorite beer is is lager or favorite beer to make really yeah. is, is I mean, because that that tells you how well of a brewer you are. I mean, really, if you crush a lager and you do. So least favorite. I don't think I have a least favorite yet. I maybe I would say like a, really? a barrel aged stout. I just don't I think like I find barrels are better. Like I just don't love bourbon as a person. So like most things that are going there are whiskey and bourbon. And it's just like having to taste all those barrels is just, it's not my favorite thing. 
but I, I also like, I see the value in it. It's just not my favorite thing to drink. So I don't really feel inclined to make it. I guess that's more of why I'm saying this. Like I do like stouts and things. We, we brewed one a week or two ago. That's going to go on soon. And it's just, I love the malt profile of a stout and trying to find new ways to integrate the dark grains into the mash and everything. So it's fun. Yeah. What beer specifically that you have made are you the most proud of? And it could be any anything really, even when you were home brewing, you know. Um, but it's a beer that you're like, oh my god, this is yeah, I'm I'm meant to do this. I think the one that I was most like surprised by was we did a black lime saison this summer, and it was the first time I'd ever brewed a saison, and it was just so clean and just like crisp and great and it really did not sell well but it was just like a well done beer just it's not exciting so it just like did not go quickly but it was just really well done so that was the first time I've done something like that that I was like okay we can have more play with this and like figure it out yeah I I really I love right proper I've been a huge fan for a, a while and I was really excited that the Brooklyn location opened up so I'm so excited that I got to meet you I don't remember how we met but um, I kept asking, like, Lily, be on the show, be on the show. And you're like, no. <laughs> so, I didn't have anything yay, to say we yet. I got Lily on the show. <laughs> yeah. So now that we have you, tell us about your role in the Pink Booth Society, because I know you are very, very, very active. Are you co-leader? I don't know what your title is, but. Um, yes. So we all kind of shared the, the role of leaders in our um, chapter. But yeah, so we're co-leaders. So I am one of the co-leaders of the DC Pink Booth Society. There's a local chapter in every like region that there's female and non-binary brewers in the world. <laughs> um, so they're all over the world. Yeah, it's just a really cool organization that um, is its goal is to educate and inspire and advance women in fermentation. So we've expanded beyond just brewing, um, but all fermentation beverages. So distilling, cidery, and kombucha, whatever form of fermentation that you might participate in. Oh, I didn't realize you extended it to distilling. I mean, I guess I could have technically been a part of it a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, the the like reason for entry is like you just have to make 25% of your income in some form of it. So you could be a bartender, back of house, front of house, wh- wherever you might find yourself, like you're just contributing to brewing and you want to know more about it or fermentation. And so as a co-leader, I... Um, we plan events. Uh, we try and do monthly events where we just get together and either socialize or educate each other on a specific topic. So we've done some hop rubs where we get samples of hops from um, one of the breweries donates them. I think the other half donated them last time to us and gave us little samples so we could smell them and do a sensory training with people in our chapter, which is cool. Yeah. So, and the most important part of Pink Boots, I would say, is that you have this great community of people who are like you trying to do what you do in various degrees of keeping the fermentation industry going. And there's also scholarships that you can apply for. So it is really trying to advance women as well as like give them a community to like engage within. Which is absolutely fantastic. And I've met many people in the Pink Boot Society in the DC chapter and I adore them. Like I love them to death. They're so rad. Speaking of scholarships, do you want to tell everybody about the HOP program in which you participated? Yeah. So 
I was the recipient of the Barth Haas Hop Academy Pink Boots Scholarship. So it was a hop academy in Yakima Valley during harvest season. So which is September and October season right now that's happening. And I think in past years, the amount of participants has been higher, but there was about 10 of us who got together. I was the only one who was a scholarship participant or recipient. So most of the other people in the hop workshop were from breweries who could afford to send them there, basically. So they were from the big, bigger guys. Um, So it was the first time I felt like I was a little kid sitting at the adults table because I was like, I work on a five barrel system and you run like a, you know, like you work at Deschutes or like Mother Earth Brewing or like, you know, one of the InBev breweries, like some of these like huge, huge companies that like just pump out beer. So it was an awesome experience to get to know people from around the country, as well as like learn more about hops, which is what we were there to do. That's awesome. What did you learn in particular, though? I mean, it seemed like a, I saw your Instagram. It seemed like a cool trip, but tell you know tell tell me what you learned yeah so we were in um two days of back-to-back like power presentations um of like this like a lot of the chemistry and science and like um yeah school educational stuff around hops and like what their chemical structure is and how they're best used and like different products that like Haas offers to like create higher utilization and like how they're pelletizing them different ways or how they're processing them different ways to create the best product out there. And then we also got to do some sensory training with their sensory scientists who like run the program where they smell every lot of hops and confirm whether or not it's good and what they're getting from it and all of that kind of stuff. And then also we got to meet the, there's, they have a brewery on site that does all basically single hop IPAs or pale ales, whatever, where they test out every innovative, not every innovative hop, but like all of the hops that make it to the innovation level where they do a single hopped beer with them and see if they taste like our good hop in the long run. So it's a lot of like experimentation that we got to learn about. And then we got to tour like the hop fields and talk to the growers, the processing facilities we got to tour as well and like talk to the people who process the vines of hops that come off the fields. And we didn't actually get to tour the pellet, like the pellet plants, but we got to see some cool videos about that as well um, and how everything is processed within that. So seems really intense. Yeah, it was honestly like, like after a whole day or two of smelling hops, do they just kind of I mean, is that when they just kind of, you know, jump out at you or do they kind of blend together? (laughs) Do you get tired of smelling hops after a certain hour or like? I mean, yeah, to a certain extent, my allergies weren't weren't doing great. (laughs) Um, But Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, it was still like, I don't think I ever got really tired of it because it was two days of intensive stuff, but they had a good rotation of like being able to smell the hops of Comet and then we drank a single hop Comet beer that they had brewed and then you could see how those flavors came across too so like getting to cross compare so like and then we'd like switch the next one so it was like you know getting into it but also like a good balance of what kinds of sensory you're doing whether it's like nasal or oral or you know all of it yeah that's actually smart because we're all different learners and yeah it's like a different way to enjoy your beer that's really cool thanks because i i've known many people that have gone to that and I haven't really, you know, asked them about the intensity or what you actually did. So <laughs> that's cool. Um, I'm glad that you got to go. Congrats. That's that's really cool. 
Before we wrap up, um, I want to ask you if there are any brewery collaborations or any beers that you've made specifically or that Pink Boots, uh, Right Proper, any, any new beers coming down the line that we should get excited about or, you know, get our palates ready for? <laughs> um, well, we did come out with a uh, Pink Boots Other Half collaboration last month that is still at a few vendors. I know Right Proper, both of our locations still have it in stock as our guest rotating draft. Um, that's called Radiant Boots. And yeah, that's a good pink boots. It's club. delicious. Yeah, it was. It's very. It's a good. Um, yeah, I went to the Garden District thing. It was oh yeah, good. that yeah. release party. Good. It was very fun. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> a little too much fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and something that we started to bring back. Uh, it had been started before the pandemic um, with the old head brewer of Right Proper, but we're starting to bring it back again. Is called Staff Brews, and so if the front of house staff or anyone on staff really gives me an idea that I think we can do well and is seasonally appropriate. We'll throw it in our pipeline to brew. So um, we're coming out with our first one of those, I think this week or next week. Um, And it's a chai brown ale called Train to Goa. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) You were telling me about this and I remember being so effing excited. (laughs) I drank it today and I was like, I can't wait. Yeah, so it's it'll be oh. on tap soon, and I think we're also going to put it in um, cans as one of our like Shaw limited releases um, coming in November. Mm. So that'll be out in the next few yes. weeks. And that was also uh, I brewed my second staff uh, inspired recipe today with um, another one of the members on staff, which is the pomegranate rosemary saison. So both of those sound fantastic. Is there anything else you want to leave our audience with before we bid you adieu? No, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Cheers, Lily. Lily, that was fire. I know in her interview, I was jazzed about her saying that the next beer on the line is a rosemary, uh, in like rosemary beer. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, please give that all to me. <laughs> and then you'll like, because, you know, she said that her favorite beers are lagers. Well, one of her favorite beers to make are lagers and wild ale. So <laughs> yes, after my own yeah. passion, absolutely. Jake, I failed to ask you at the start of the show, what you were drinking. Ah, uh, what a faux pas. Um, but this, <laughs> this, this ties into, um, Brandy's point. Uh, there's a, there's a chill in the air and a uh, young man's thoughts turn to one thing. And that is turning over the Optimal Wit line into the Port City Porter line. And so uh. I have here Port City Porter, um, given that it is windy and gusty. Everything is blown over. I lost power three times a day. So, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's the gustiest of days. <laughs> yeah. So area bars, area restaurants, it's it's time to clean, to clean out that Optimal Wit line. Um, you can see it again in April or May. Um, it is now Port City Porter season. Um, 7.5%. So it's, it's a little, it's on the bigger side. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hitting, it's hitting quite nice. And, um, there were certainly days in August where I was like, wow, I can't wait to drink a Port City Porter. And here we are delicious. And it doesn't have to be heavy and thick and super sweet. It could just be super malt Ford and like super malty and like it could be light and crisp. You know, you don't have to make it super boozy and chocolatey or, or, you know, like just 
even it out, you know, do like a pale ale version of a, of a dark beer for us. Like, ah. anyway, okay, I'm well, done. Brandy, that, that was not the end of my tangent. <laughs> no, no, but see, this is, this is a good rant because come Saturday, November 6th, Silver Branch is going to release an English mild. <gasps> And so it's going to come in sub five. You got to think knowing them, they might actually have an unadorned cask or firkin of it. Mm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think that would be one to look out for. Perhaps they will can it. But yes, like perhaps we can sit down on Saturday and have a, have a proper pint outdoors. I would love that. Yeah. There needs to be more ESBs made. As well, like I never, I think I see. Well, Simon, the one of the owners of uh, Red Bear, he's literally from England, so like he makes them, he makes it at uh, Red Bear. But I, it's it's rare that I see them. Ha, have you guys seen an ESB? They are oh, rare sure. beasts out in the wild, um, but we yeah. love extra I special love bitter, uh, mild. We love mild. We love dark mild, but obviously they're tiny compared to the pale ale footprint. If you are brewing, speaking of pale ale, if you are brewing a Brave Noise beer, we want to hear from you. Uh, Brave yes. Noise beer is this most recent beer project, which is you know part of the anti-racist, anti-sexist, um, anti-discriminatory uh, beer project, and um, it's a beer with with a grand mission, you know, to make sure that there's safe spaces for those of us in the beer community who are part of marginalized groups. Um, so far, we just have Solace Outpost Brewing One. Uh, we received word on Twitter that Streetcar 82 is, is planning to brew one, but they're working on their employee policy right now. So they've got some internal ironing to do. And once that's done, they'll present it to us. But um, Brianne Allen, shout out to at Rat Magnet on IG, um, has asked that everybody get their Brave Noise beers in by December, which is literally next month next month and a day. So, you know, let us know. We at DC Beer want to know. I have an article up about this. We want to know if you're brewing a Brave Noise beer. Shout out to 10 Ike in Maryland, Queenstown. Shout out to The Vale. Shout out to Random Row in Virginia, as well as, who am I forgetting in Virginia? Ozel Finch is the yes. last one in Virginia. Yes. Shout Ozel out to Finch. Ozel Finch. Yes. And the reason that Mike brought up um, employee policies is that unlike some of the other beers brewed for a good cause, this one has some strings attached in that if you are going to brew the Brave Noise beer, the Brave Noise powers that be, as it were, are asking for a code of conduct and um, certain baseline standards on how you treat employees, especially employees from historically marginalized backgrounds. I spoke to a couple of uh, brewery owners slash brewers at breweries locally and asked them about Brave Noise specifically. A couple of them said, no, we really want to do this, but because of COVID, we brew enough just to make profit. Like, and we can't afford to do a charity beer right now. And it crushes them. Let me not put anybody, um, you know, at discomfort to say if you don't brew Brave noise come December, you're against, um, you know, sound, safe space and employee policy. Let's be clear. If you're going to have um, employee policy that prevents, you know, effectively abusive behavior in amongst your ranks, we are for that. 
right? Like if COVID has put the press on you and you're just staying afloat, we get it. We still want to hear from you, even if, you know, you are not going to brew a Brave Noise beer, but you stand in solidarity with those who have and women of the Bevolution and Brave Noise as a movement. Let's hear it. You know, we want to hear from you. So, yeah, that's exactly. well said, Brandy. Yeah, I mean, the, the hospitality industry overall um, has been very, very generous in um, richer, flusher times, and they continue to be generous um, in these lean times. It's, it's much appreciated. Um, if you want to hear more from Brianne Allen, um, our very own Sarah Jane Curran over at Beer Me Radio, the podcast that's on next week, and the previous podcast, since we alternate, um, Sarah Jane Curran had an interview with Brianne Allen a couple weeks ago that is very much worth a listen. So I want to ask about festivals. This weekend, as in, you know, tomorrow at the Montgomery, please not MoCo County Fairgrounds, the Maryland Brewers Guild is going to have the Maryland Beer, Wine and Spirits Festival. And then the week after that, the 6th, same day, Silver Branch releasing this mild they're going to do the Baltimore Beer Festival. And so um, shout out to Kevin Addix and the Maryland Brewers Guild. Um, they're going to be busy these next couple of weeks. Let's hope that the weather stays nice. And then Atlas is going to drop cans of two IPAs. Tropic Thunder is going to be the first time in cans. And Giant Flaming Polar Bear Zombie Panda whatever. Um, yeah, it's like like how like if I had like a seven-year-old and they named the beer. Um, that's what it'd be called, the double IPA. They're going to do two parties in, in November, one in Ivy City and one in Atlas. So the, the beer festivals are still going strong. Plus this weekend, it's Halloween. And so we all know what that means. Brandy's favorite holiday. Uh, yeah, lots of Halloween events. Although not quite like before COVID, obviously. A um, little more sp- as far as the right word, there's still events, but as long as they're outside, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, reasonable to go to. I know for a fact that Red Bear is crushing all of the Halloween events, especially with all the drag stuff. They have dog Halloween costume party or contest and kids and drag bingo and all kinds of stuff. Um, but Astrolab, Ocelot, City State... Virginia Breweries, um, Silver Branch. I love Silver Branch so much. And pub- oh, public option. Public option. I still need to go hang out there. <laughs> I feel like a loser. You and I, Brandy, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, get there. I'm a big loser. It's okay. But as far as local stuff, definitely hit up all the breweries. And, but follow all of them on social media anyway so you know what's going on. That's how I know what's happening. You know, yeah, on Instagram, then- I scroll through. Yeah, they post stuff. Yeah, and then you can harangue them for dark loggers and ESPs and whatever else. <laughs> exactly. Like, Brandy told me to tell you to, to brew a brown ale, please. Yes. But anyway, on that note, we're wrapping up. Please stay tuned for more from us over at DC Beer, at DC Beer on the socials, as we report the beer scene and things like that. Give Sarah Jane Kearns Beer Me Radio a listen. Uh, get your yes. booster shots. Tip big. Be safe. And hey. Still beer festival season. All right. Be well, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.